Are you there? I hear a beverage. Hello. What are we drinking, Mary? Oh, hey. I just Hi. noticed I don't have my headphones on uh, <laughs> or even connected. I'll be back. Okay. I hope you weren't there too long. Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate Gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. So, hello. Hello. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing okay. My hair has gotten to a length where it's starting to get caught under my armpits or into oh, my that's armpits. Annoying. So, it might be time to think about getting a haircut. I was trying mm. to see how long I could go, but I think it might be time. That's fair. My hair used to be that long, but it was a really long time ago, and I remember that being annoying. Yeah, I haven't had it this long in a long time, because I usually cut it about every eight months or yeah. something and just chop the hell out of it, off it of it. It looks so nice, yeah. though. But yeah. yeah. It can be annoying. If Even if it looks nice, if it's too annoying, then that yeah, that makes it not worthwhile. We'll see, though, because I think I'm going to try cutting it myself again, mm-hmm. and getting my act together to do that will probably nice. still take a while. My hair is way too thick and curly and frizzy for me to be able to manage that. And also I have an undercut at the moment, which, um, well, I used to actually before when I had a more extreme undercut than I currently have, I used to shave it myself at least, but now it's a more subtle one, like lower down. And I feel like I can't really do that. I'll make Jeff shave it for me. I trust him kind of, Uh, but I will not cut my own hair. (laughs) I did do, I did do a COVID uh, lockdown haircut just because it was all the same length and it was driving me insane. So I cut some angles in it, and my hairdresser, when I finally got a haircut again, they're like, oh, these actually aren't too bad. I was like, oh, sweet. Nice. Very but, nice. Yeah. Not going to do it again. <laughs> I uh, don't have a specific person who will see it, so I don't yeah. care. <laughs> well, I didn't really either, because yeah. our, our hairdresser, I'm sure everyone really cares about our hairdressers. I care a lot. cutting habits or hairstyles, but... Uh, our hairdresser that we did have retired and so the person I was seeing was new but she was said that it didn't look as bad as I thought that it would nice yeah very nice yeah also for anyone out there who wants to try YouTube tutorials are quite wonderful at helping you figure out how to cut your own hair yeah nice yeah YouTube tutorials are great they are kinds of stuff they're amazing I use them to learn new Irish fiddle music nice my brother and I learned how to change a toilet in, by watching YouTube videos. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff has learned various car repairs by watching YouTube videos. Mm, that's how I learned how to change my f- headlight, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Fabulous. Love YouTube tutorials. Super yeah. fan. Yeah. They're great. They are great. If you search hard enough, you might actually even find some of my A&P pre-recorded videos on there, although I think I've actually taken them down. Uh, they're still there, but I think that I've made them... By invite only. Gotcha. So you probably won't find them after all. No, I was going to go stalk you. I know. Everybody wanted to try to find them because they're (laughs) fascinating. I am leaving for my road trip tomorrow. Yay! I'm also drinking beer in the microphone, so hopefully that wasn't too loud. But yeah, I'm leaving for my road trip tomorrow and I'm very excited, but also uh, stressed at the same time because I've still got a bunch of stuff I need to do. But it is mostly done now. I've got most of my packing done. Excellent. And I finished watching today's episode, which was the other major thing on my to-do list. So Yes. Yes. Well so done. I should be all set. And I will be listening to all kinds of podcasts, and then I will be looking at archaeological sites and doing a live meetup for a different podcast, and then I'll be back before this even airs. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So nice I'm excited. Quick, quick trip. Yeah. To parts quick unknown. Trip. Less quick because it is Connecticut to Nashville, so not so quick. But <laughs> I guess the parts are not so unknown. Also, not so unknown. I'll be making <laughs> unknown stops along the way. But ah. I'll be making stops along the way in parts unknown to me. Anyway, Excellent. there we go. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's my day. Excited and yet also stressed. Mix of feelings. Yeah. 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 Speaking of which, I had a mix of feelings about this episode. Oh, good. Also. So what episode are we actually talking about today, Kathy? Please remind us. We are talking about Stargate SG-1, Season 2, Episode 11, The Tok'ra, Part 1. 
Yeah. Yes. All right. Start off the episode with a recap of the entire Jolinar storyline. <laughs> Basically, Sam got a gold. It was a good gold, but then it died and she lived. The end. <laughs> recap number two is of meeting Sam's dad and his disapproval of her work and him being a big jerk face. And the fact that he has cancer then, which was sad. And then he leaves Sam alone angrily because Sam doesn't want to follow his career goals for her. The end. Then we finally get to new stuff. <laughs> we have a hazy scene of people running around in a hall screaming. Someone comes up and looks directly into the camera. So we're supposed to be seeing this like from the point of view of a specific person. The person that is looking in the camera says we need to get to the Shapa Eye and calls the camera Jolinar in resting Guauld voice. Then in the gate room of this unknown planet, a hand dials the gate and the gate opens. The person goes to go through the gate and looks into a mirror and we see Sam's reflection staring back at us wearing a pretty pink scarf type of getup. Flash to the infirmary and Sam is hooked up to a whole bunch of wires. She sits up suddenly and says she thinks she might have found something. Then credits. What could it be? I can't imagine. We'll never know. Yeah. The team is gathered with Hammond in the conference room. Yep. I, I think I had a note about how the the scene started. I like the... It, oh, it, it was you, a cool transition. Yeah, yeah. so like they had... You could see you saw them blurred through the glass, and yeah. then it comes into focus on Jack, who's really close to the glass, pouring himself some water. Yeah, like that glass star chart that they have. I thought it was cool, but th- I feel like it was a fake out because there were some extremely jarring scene changes in this. Where I was like, "Did I? Did it cut out? What's going yeah, on?" Yeah, same here. I noticed that too, and I'm sure that they were meant to be commercial breaks. But I agree. But- uh, same same happened to me. I was like, "Wait, what did I? What did I do? Did I?" Did I miss something? Did I hit something on the remote by accident? Yeah, it was weird. And I like to the point where I double checked, I pulled out my DVD and like double checked to make sure it wasn't like Netflix being weird. Yeah. And I rewound a couple times to make sure that I hadn't accidentally like missed something or fast forwarded or something. And nope, they were just weird, abrupt transitions. Yeah. But we start out real nice. This was kind of nice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So they're discussing what Sam has seen in her dream and jack's like you don't think it was just a dream and sam says it was real and she can tell jack is skeptical till jumps in i mean to be fair her answer to that is i just know yeah you can't really blame him it's true (laughs) till jumps in to support sam basically by saying that their minds may have intermingled and portions of joel and our Remain in Captain Carter's head. Or mind. Somewhere. Somewhere in there, rattling around. Sam further thinks the Tok'ra, based on what she saw, may be in trouble and on the run. And she thinks they should try to find them before they move. Because she was able to see in her dream the coordinates that her disembodied arm dialed. (laughs) Yes. At least that's how it looked. It did. <laughs> yeah. We see a hand, but not the body it's attached to in that scene. Yeah. Daniel's like, are you sure these are good guys? And she's like, yes. And Jack's like, still skeptical. Just yes. Can you elaborate? And <laughs> But she's like, I know, I know. But I just know. I'm sure. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Good argument. <laughs> Teal pops out what will be the first of several fun facts about the Tok'ra. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That they are the resistance and their goals are the destruction of the system lords and to change the ways of the empire. And they're despised and hunted by the gold. And Jack's like, my kind of guys. Sam really thinks they should check it out. Hammond literally asks Jack's consent for this mission. I thought that was so weird. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but... <laughs> like, you're the one in charge. Why are you asking him for permission? Yep. 
Or defer, like, even just deferring to him on the show. I mean, like, yeah, take his opinion and advisement, but he, like, full-on deferred to Jack to make the decision. And Jack finally relents, so Hammond gives the go-ahead for them to head off to Tokerland. (laughs) I don't know what to call it, but... I don't either. Uh, I can't think of anything. Yeah. (laughs) I don't, um... Toker Cave. Tokerave. (laughs) Tokerave. That just sounds like Toker Grave. Tokerville. <laughs> Tokerville. <laughs> I like it. A little bit later, everyone's walking down the hall and heading to the gate room. Sam asks if she can catch up with them in a few minutes, and Jack says that's fine, as long as it's really just a few minutes. Sam goes off to some random corner that happens to have a phone in it and calls her dad, and we only hear her side of the conversation, but he's essentially asking her why she called. And Sam's like, because you told me you're dying and I wanted to see if you're okay, which is a good reason to call somebody. Yeah. Hammond caught the end of the conversation where Sam's basically being blown off by her dad. Goes up to check in with Sam after she hangs up and she tells Hammond that her dad says he's fine, but he wouldn't actually tell her even if she wasn't. So she's really not so convinced. And Sam also asks Hammond if he knew that her dad got an apartment in town. And apparently Hammond did know this and said that Jacob wanted to be closer to his daughter. Which is weird and guilt trippy to be like, yeah, you should be closer to, he wants to be closer to his daughter who didn't actually even know he was in town. Yeah. And also like, he's like, why are you calling me? Even though he wanted to be closer to his daughter. Right. Yeah. That was also so weird. (sighs) That was also a problem. I have issues with fathers being jerks. Jacob kind of sucks. I won't go into too much detail about that one. (laughs) So Sam says that she feels really bad for leaving because for once she's leaving something behind. And Hammond offers to hold the entire SG-1 team back. But she says that, no, she really needs to go on this one since she's the one that's got memories of Jolinar. She has to be a part of this mission to try to find the Tok'ra. And they need to go as soon as possible before the Tok'ra possibly move on to someplace else. And also she says, anyway, her dad doesn't really want her around, which is a weird conclusion to come to, seeing as we were just told that he moved there to be closer <laughs> to Sam. But then, as we also said, he's kind of blowing her off and being dismissive of her. So weird yeah. and annoying dynamic there. Hammond says he's known her dad for a long time and that it's not true that he doesn't want her around. So Sam says that she's always known him to be this strong soldier that comes back from all these battles. And so she knows he would not want her to see him losing a battle in a hospital bed. Then she says she needs to go. So Hammond tells her that, you know what, you're more like your dad than you want to admit. And then we get the fun gate transmission to the next scene. Woo! On a different planet. Woo, indeed. Did I sound too bitter? No, no, you did not. It you brought really up didn't. some things for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, no, you sounded, you did not sound too bitter. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> They're on a planet. It's a desert. At least around the gate. I'm not going to call it a desert planet because we don't see much of it. And calling something, <laughs> a whole planet something by its one little area that you're looking at is silly. <laughs> This has nothing to do with anything right now. But... No, but it's a really good point that we've talked about before, and I still went through to, I was still taking the presumptuous step of calling it a desert planet in my notes, but <laughs> you're right, and we've talked about that. <laughs> but anyway, they're in a desert. Tilk uh, observes that there are no tracks, and that indicates the Tok'ra have not been near the Stargate in many days, if they are, in fact, on this planet. And then we get another fun fact about the Tok'ra, that they are sneaky. Yes, quite. <laughs> I noticed that Jack stopped at the Melp and like, <laughs> yes, hit it or tapped on it and called it worthless. I didn't really understand what that was all about. Yeah, I don't know. It felt like a really fun little thing to put in to sort of make, you know... The fact that they're like at work, sort of realistic, like this crappy Fair. piece of—I don't know—it just sort of added <laughs> stupid printer. Piece exactly. 
<laughs> exactly. Fuck does that mean? I mean, if he had a baseball bat, he might be taking that mouth out. So <laughs> very true. <laughs> but it, it just felt like a very like relatable thing. Yeah, and I liked that. That's fair. Yeah. I thought it. I mean, I, I yeah, I thought it was entertaining, but I also thought it was really random. <laughs> it was. <laughs> sure was. They start walking away from the Stargate towards some dunes that Sam pointed out for reasons. Reasons. (laughs) Just as Teal'c is popping another fun fact saying they are stealthy and they mask their trails. A bunch of people jump out of the sand and surround the team with weapons drawn. Surprise! But Jack's got weapons too, which he's now aiming at them. Kathy, uh, did did you notice how they were dressed here? Because I found it to be very distracting. <laughs> their their tan like carpet head hats. I don't know what I don't know what they were made of. Yeah, but even more distracting than that was the fact that like none of them were wearing pants. <laughs> I didn't come to fight, I came to dance, cause out in space we don't need pants. Yeah, that's right, don't be mad at me, my pants flew off cause there's no gravity. Like, they all had kind of longish shirts oh. on that ended like just below the crotch and knee-high boots and actually one of them had pants on. Nobody else had anything between the knee-high boots and the oh. shirt that ended around the crotch. <laughs> I totally thought they had pink leggings on, actually. But did they? No, <laughs> I don't I know. They did. Okay, that's it okay. Like they, to me, at least to me, it looked like they did not have any pants on. I'm going to go and with that. And there was that. only one guy that remembered his pants that morning. <laughs> <laughs> Good times. Maybe they did have leggings, but if they did, it sure didn't look like it. <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) continue. (laughs) Jack queries, good guys or bad guys? And a man that we were calling leader guy, whose name is Kordash, (laughs) which is not mentioned in this episode, says that they don't mean any harm, but if SG-1's aggressive, they're going to shoot him. Uh, Jack says, same here. (laughs) So they have a little standoff because the man's like, we have the advantage. And Jack's like, true. And then a different man with light blue eyes, whose name we will know is Martooth. And from this point forward, I am going to call him Martooth. And (laughs) the reason for this might not be super apparent in this particular episode, but this man has the most gleaming white teeth of any person ever and i have been calling him martooth in my head for so many years That's so we're gonna fantastic. continue it here yes absolutely i did actually notice his, how perfect his teeth looked <laughs> i did not think of the, the amazing portmanteau but yeah he's got amazing and also somewhat prominent teeth i don't mean that like in like an assault insulting way but like he's got a really nice smile and like you can't help but noticing yeah how nice his teeth are yeah they're they're yeah so so he identifies Teal'c as a Jaffa. And Teal'c's like, I am not serving Apophis anymore. And so they ask, who is he serving? And Teal'c says, he is allied with the Tauri in battle against Apophis. And Daniel goes, yeah, and all other gold. But Sam's like, Daniel, they are gold. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> But the man, <laughs> leader guy, Kordesh. Okay, I'm just going to call him all the names. Yeah, that's fine. So, I probably yeah. will too. <laughs> he says, he tells them not to call them that. And then he gets all gold voiced and his eyes flash shouting, we are not gold. Do we need to change it to like resting hagfish voice? Ooh, resting hagfish if, voice. Yeah. Because like if these guys don't want to be called Guaold but they have the same voice as the actual Guaold but they That's both have true. a hagfish in common. Oh man. Yeah, that could be it. All right. Resting fair. hagfish. There voice. we go. <laughs> we want to be PC with the Tokra. Yes. We want to be PC with these people that we have just discovered who we don't know for sure are the Tokra. <laughs> they've asked not to be called that and I'm okay yep. with not calling somebody something they've asked me not to call them. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, there we go. Perfect. <laughs> We go back to Hammond's office. The phone rings. It's only his gray phone, though. So it turns out that it is Jacob. We don't really hear what Jacob is saying, but Hammond says into the phone, that sounds bad. I'll be right there. 
That's that scene. Yep. Back out to the desert. Everyone is still kind of just hanging around with SG-1 at weapon point. And Jack says, all right, we're just really just loitering right now. (laughs) (laughs) Sam calls the guy, the tooth guy, Martooth, (laughs) by his name, except that she actually says Martooth. We all know his real name. Martooth says, I don't know this person. He's kind of confused about how Sam knows his name. But she says, I'm right, aren't I? She tells everybody that she knew Jolinar of Malkshire. And they ask where Jolinar is, but she says that Jolinar died saving her. So Martooth says, well, if we are the Tok'ra, then what? And Tilk says that it would be great if they could maybe form an alliance. Sam tells everybody that she learned a lot from Jolinar and that she has learned enough to know that they could have a really good friendship if the Tok'ra would open their minds to that idea. Martooth says he believes her and says that maybe everybody should listen to SG-1. So the Tok'ra agree to maybe at least consider the idea and decide to take them to their leader as long as they promise to leave their weapons behind. Jack, of course, wants none of that, but Sam assures him that it's fine, everything will be okay, even if they hand over their weapons. Daniel and Tilk agree that it's worth giving it a try. So Jack reluctantly agrees. They hand over all their weapons and their vests. And then Martooth asks them all to get closer. And Jack's like, why? (laughs) Sam assures him again that it's fine. Jack's like, is it? But then we get some rings coming up. And then they all disappear in the rings. Woo! Stop wooing after everything. I like it. Woo all you want. Woo! <laughs> Woo. I was drinking at the time. Oh. <laughs> I almost choked on my beer. Sorry. <laughs> my beer that's already almost empty, even though I only just opened it. Wah, wah. We heard it. We heard it crack. Well, I heard it crack. I was the only one Oh, did you? I, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I heard it crack like I'm open. waiting for Kathy. I'll open this beer. <laughs> when I still didn't have my headphones on and still didn't know you were there. Yeah. <laughs> SG-1 is being led through some caves that look quite similar to the ones in Sam's dream, which she remarks on. Teal'c talks about the Tok'ra. He basically says that there's a legend that they go deep underground on whatever planet they're hiding in and they grow their tunnels. And Sam thinks theoretically they could grow crystal material. There we go. Yep. Teal'c said Apophis never found these tunnels, and when the Tok'ra leave, it's said they are destroyed. Jack asks Sam, what's up with Martouf? And she's like, I'm not sure. She thinks she knows everyone here, but she has a very particularly strong bond with Martooth. But then... They've stopped at this point while they're having their little aside, and Martooth comes over and gestures for them to keep moving. (laughs) But nicely. That was not nice the way I said it, but he was like... Uh, I know I've already called him Martooth several times, but it strikes me differently hearing someone else (laughs) say it. That's just so much funnier than when I say it myself. (laughs) (sighs) I've never Googled. I can't be the only one who has called him Martooth before, but. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'd be very disappointed if I was because Fair. it's, yeah. Anyway. It's great. It's perfect. It's really perfect. <laughs> the next scene is in the hospital. Jacob is in bed and Hammond comes in. Jacob seems kind of surprised. To see Hammond, even though he called Hammond and Hammond told him he'd be right there. So I feel like this, what is going on in this hospital that like nobody can remember a conversation that they had more than five <laughs> minutes ago? Because it's like when Daniel kept going into people's room and was surprised that there was somebody in there. Oh, hey. And now Jacob called Hammond and is surprised that Hammond came in, even though Hammond <laughs> said he'd be there. What is, what kind of good drugs are they giving these people? <laughs> Including Daniel, who wasn't even a patient at the time. something in the air (laughs) apparently so anyway Hammond asks him if he's okay and says that he didn't think that Jacob's cancer was that bad 
And Jacob said that he hadn't thought it was all that bad either because they had cleaned out a bunch of cancer from his lymph nodes, apparently, but there was a cluster of cells that managed to survive that. And so now the cancer has spread to his liver. Hammond says he's going to call Sam back from the mission that she's on, but Jacob is going to have none of that. Jacob says that he has always been really strong and has always come back from all the various battles he's been on and doesn't want Sam to see him losing a battle in a hospital bed. Which, of course, Hammond tells him, is that that's exactly what Sam said you were going to say. But Jacob continues on that he has a feeling that she's on an important mission and really doesn't want that to be interrupted for her. Hammond agrees that that is, in fact, the case. Jacob said, well, then you should really leave her there, but at least tell me what she's really doing, since he still isn't buying her cover story. Hammond refuses since it's classified, and Jacob tries to argue, I'm dying, who am I going to tell anyway, God? But Hammond says, eh, sorry, still can't. We're still walking through tunnels on Tok'ra land. So much walking through tunnels. So much. And we finally do get to a room, though, and Kordash says in resting hagfish voice, <laughs> let me introduce Grand Council Garshaw of Belot, or something like that. And a woman comes forward in a very shiny purple dress. Yeah, it was pretty. I enjoyed it. I like shiny things and purple. Agree. And dresses. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All of that. Yes. Agree. Tilk seems a little, I want to say almost starstruck. Yeah, yeah. I actually <laughs> I actually wrote that he looked really uh, awestruck and fanboyish. Yeah. yeah. And he... Uh, it was cute. Yeah. Fun facts that she is the most hunted hagfish of all time. <laughs> Garshaw says we prefer not to be called Gauld. Or however she says it. <laughs> she also Yeah, she also said it in a different way that I don't think we've heard before. Yeah. I noticed that as well. Garsha asks if they were the ones who rid the galaxy of Ra. And Jack's like, that's us. We're those. <laughs> it me. I'm that. And she says that that makes them Tok'ra in a sense. And Daniel's like, of course. Tok'ra. Tok against Ra. You'd think he, for somebody who was supposedly speaking that as his primary language for a couple of years, he would have caught on to that sooner. You would think so. But, you know... <sighs> Daniel. Oh, Daniel. Yep. I felt like he thought maybe he wasn't getting enough attention, so he needed to pop that in there. Yeah, that's very possible. <laughs> Probable, even. So mean to Daniel. Really <laughs> he kind of deserves it, though. <laughs> it's true. Uh, I really did like him way better in the movie than in the show. No, I don't... I don't think I dislike him. I just... He's just weird. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't it's dislike just... him. I just don't really like him either. Yeah. yeah. So Jack's like, I still don't know what to call call you, call her. And she says, we are Tok'ra. And Jack's like, finally. They admit that they're the Tok'ra, I guess, <laughs> finally. Yep. And she, oh my God, Garsha, that's her name. Garsha mm-hmm. asks how they could have been sent by Jolinar. Sam's like, that's a long story. So she starts to tell the story of how Jolinar landed in Sam. Martooth is, seems very interested and kind of walks over maybe to hear better or something. Mm-hmm. And he, he says, did you say the host was killed? And Sam says, yes, I'm sorry. Martooth says, but Jolinar lived. And Sam said, inside me for a while. And then, yeah. That's the end of that scene, like, abruptly, like... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, he seemed really surprised by that, even though Sam had already told them before that Jolinar had died, so... Yeah. I don't know why he didn't really react the first time, but now he reacts this time. Yeah, I don't know what that was about. <laughs> Back in the hospital, I was actually... <laughs> All right, I, I wasn't happy that Jacob needed to be defibrillated, but I was very happy that they specified that he was in VTAC 
which is actually a shockable rhythm because most TV shows show somebody like completely flatlining when they're shocking them. And that is not a shockable rhythm. So I was excited. Good job, guys. They establish a heart rate. So the shocking does work. And Hammond asks about how long Jacob really has left. And the doctor says it's hard to say in cases like this. It's pretty advanced. So it could be anywhere from five minutes. It could be five days. You really can't say. But that any family that Jacob has should get there ASAP because it could be any time now. Back in the cave, Garshaw asks Sam, so am I to understand that Jolinar did not have your consent to act as a host? And Sam says, that's that's right, but it was an emergency to escape an assassin. Cordish says, if you were an involuntary host, well then how do we know that you didn't kill Jolinar yourself? (laughs) Sam's like, because I didn't. (laughs) Trust me. Great argument. (laughs) That's been her argument this entire episode. Yeah, it has. But he also has a good point in asking, why? (laughs) (laughs) Valid point. Yes. Jack says that he's been asking himself why they should be trusting the Tok'ra, since, after all, they are actually gold. Daniel tries to step in, but Jack silences him and asks, are we prisoners and are you gold? Garshan's eyes flash, and her Tok'ra voice comes back out, and she's basically like, no and no. He asks, why do you talk like that? What's with the glowing eyes? Uh, Is it the reptile living around in your heads? Even though we've seen no indication thus far that they are reptiles, but they're aliens, so I won't argue that point too much. Anyway. Garshaw says, we do have symbiotes, yes. And Jack's like, all right, well, then that point made. I'm right. Daniel says, well, you can see why we think of you as a threat, because you guys take humans as hosts. And pretty much all of the Tok'ra chime into the conversation at this point to say that they're not taken as hosts. Humans aren't taken as hosts, but they volunteer as hosts to the Tok'ra and that it is a truly symbiotic relationship. And that's a big difference between the Tok'ra and the Gua'uld. SG-1 is really confused why anyone would actually agree to become a host. Garshan puts her head down for a second, closes her eyes. And then when she lifts her head back up, her demeanor and her voice are completely changed. And she, instead of being kind of courteous but serious, is suddenly really friendly and smiley. And says, perhaps I can help. I'm Yosef. And she says that she's Garshan's host. And that as the host, she is free to speak without restraint or censor, unlike the hosts of a gold. And that she is able to answer any questions that they have freely about why somebody would agree to take a host or to take a symbiote on so daniel asks yeah why would you volunteer for that and she says that as a result of the blending she gains all of the knowledge of her host and also gets twice the lifespan and all she needs to do in return is share her body so jack is sounding really bitter at this and says well it sounds like you've got a really faustian deal here selling your soul for immortality which I'm uncultured, so I didn't know what Faustian means. I think it's basically that you sell your soul to the devil. Fair. I could Google it. Faustian bargain, right? Is that? I don't know. (laughs) Fair enough. This random website that I haven't even clicked on, Britannica, says, Faustian bargain, a pact whereby a person trades something of supreme moral or spiritual importance, such as personal values or the soul, for some worldly or material benefit, such as knowledge, power, or riches. Uh, it looks like it's the Faust was a character of oh, a legend. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. In what story? Uh, Faust is the protagonist of a classic German legend based on the hist- historical Johann George Faust. Okay, so person mm-hmm. and legend. Let me make sure this is the right thing I'm reading. Yeah. Yes. The erudite Faust is highly successful, successful, yet dissatisfied with his life, which leads him to make a pact with the devil at a crossroads, exchanging his soul for unlimited knowledge and worldly pleasures. So, yeah. That, thank you, Wikipedia. Yay. Interesting. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. I meant to look up more of that myself and then forgot. Slash finished the episode two minutes before we started recording. Yeah. <laughs> Yosef assures Jack that what he understands as a soul still remains intact when people take on a host. 
And Daniel says basically what she's already been trying to tell them, that the, this is what makes the Tok'ra different from the Gwawl, the fact that it's completely voluntary. And Tilk says that it's also what has thwarted their efforts against the Gwawld. Yosef says, he is right. Come with me. This chair is creaky and the microphone picks it up, but it's also comfy and I like it. Life is hard. Life is hard. I might have to change it out, though. And my office might not be haunted anymore. <laughs> Garshaw leads them down another tunnel to a different room where... There's an elderly woman lying on a slab. I guess it's a bed. I'm not really sure, but... Hopefully it's more comfortable than just yeah. a stone slab, but we've only seen stone slabs, so maybe yeah. not. Who knows? They introduce this woman as Selmak, and the host's name is Sarush. Martouf calls her the oldest and wisest and an important leader. <laughs> He says she's ill and is going to die soon. And Daniel's like, but I thought that Gould lived a lot longer. And Garsha says, the Tok'ra don't. And Sam's like, oh, because you don't use the sarcophagus. Martuf believes it drains the good from their hearts. Or they believe that. And Daniel's like, can confirm. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, sure can. Yeah. So the reason that the they can't actually make much headway against the system lords is because of this reason, because they don't force people to become hosts. A lot of times the hagfish within the Tok'ra (laughs) dies along with the host because they don't have a lot of volunteers. So they're not able to grow their numbers. Would you volunteer, Kathy? Uh... Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Although, living a longer life might be interesting, especially right? if you could do it not in this time and day and <laughs> place. And you get like ages and ages of memories and wisdom. It's true. But then do you have to spend your life fighting against other people? Oh, yeah, that's a good point, too. Also, what if you really don't like your symbiote? Like, it's great if you actually like your symbiote, but what if you hate them? Like, what if they're just the most annoying symbiote in the world? That would be terrible. Or you don't get along for whatever reason. Then that would that would suck. Can you, like, you know, if your host is on its way out, but you find another potential host, can you, like, interview them, maybe take them out for dinner and drinks a few times, really get to know them before you move in together? Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. I don't know. Right? Yeah. yeah. And by move in together, of course, we mean move into their brain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's important. You don't want to jump into these things too quickly. No, no, you don't. <laughs> There's no going back from that one. Truth. <laughs> Apparently, though, that I will, unless, unless you're Sam, I guess. But Yeah, but it didn't end well for the symbiote in that case. No. <laughs> so Garsha says that Selmak is about to die because they don't have another host. And Martooth is like, unless you guys want to volunteer. And the team is shocked by this suggestion (laughs) and decline the offer. Sam is particularly disturbed and actually turns and leaves. Because she needs a moment. And then Martooth and the team follow. Yeah. She actually says, sorry, I've already been through that. Yeah. Looks pretty spooked. Yeah. In some other room, Sam has found a little water trough and is rinsing her face. Martooth comes up to her and puts a hand on her shoulder and she startles. He apologizes, but she says that he really shouldn't sneak up on people like that, even though he really didn't sneak up. She was just kind of off in her own little world there with good reason, I think. Yeah. All the others come in and Garshan slash Yosef apologizes for spooking them with the suggestion that they become hosts. And Jack says, that's fine as long as they take no for an answer. Martooth reminds them that they never take a host by force because that is not the Tok'ra way. But Jack, of course, then reminds them about what happened with Sam. But Sam again mentions that Jolinar had planned to leave her as soon as he was able to find another host and just that hadn't just ha- that just hadn't happened yet. Yosef formerly known as Garshan, sometimes known as Garshan, 
says, if you didn't want to become host, then why bother to seek us out? And Daniel says, well, we wanted to form an alliance with you. And she's like, well, if this idea disgusts you, though, then why bother to pursue it? Apparently, they didn't mean become hosts by form an alliance. So Yosef is like, well, what other kind of alliance would really be useful to us aside from that? I think she became Garshan at that point. <laughs> I don't know. So Garshan con- slash oh, no, Yosef right before who keeps that. switching back and yeah, forth. Anyway, and yeah, anyway, yeah, it's really confusing. I tried to keep it straight in my notes and I think I messed it up. Yeah, I, yeah. At some point, she switches back and forth in this episode. She does, <laughs> yeah. In the, in the scene. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So SG-1 alternates suggestions of friendship and information sharing and engaging in battle together. And Garshan's a little bit, Garshan or Yosef or whoever she is at this point, is a little bit skeptical that they could possibly be advanced enough to be any, of any help. But Tilk says, no, it's true. They destroyed two motherships. And then suddenly this is for sure Garshan <laughs> and Garshan and is enraged because apparently they had many operatives on those ships that were killed. But Sam lets her know that they were just trying to defend their own planet. And then all of a sudden, Yosef is back and says, oh, that makes sense. We didn't know that. So maybe you can be helpful because that's information that we didn't have. So she says that she and her symbiote are going to go and try to talk to the council and see what happens. Jack again asks if they're prisoners. And she kind of dances around that question, but says that until they figure out what the situation is, and what level of information they can share with SG-1, then they're just going to have to remain there for the time being. Martooth suggests a walk on the surface, because there are things to discuss. And Jack's like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> but then Martooth clarifies, nope, not you. Just talking to Sam. <laughs> so Jack's pretty pissed off at this suggestion, but Sam is insistent that she really thinks she needs to go and talk with Martooth, so... They head off on their own, and Jack says, All right, but have her back by 11. (laughs) (laughs) Martooth and Sam are outside now near the Stargate, and he asks Sam to talk about Jolinar, and Sam says, Well, you knew him better. And Martooth says, Yes, actually, though, he was a she. And then further clarifies the symbiote doesn't actually have a gender, but Jolinar has always been in female hosts. You would think she would have figured that out by now. I would have thought, but Sam says that the host before her was male. And Martooth figures this was another way to try to hide from the assassin and asks about Jolinar's last days. Sam says she's really only left with impressions and feelings and that Jolinar sacrificed herself to save Sam, which speaks a ton about her character as far as Sam is concerned. Her tooth then puts his head down and then back up and his eyes flash and he is in hagfish voice. The hagfish says Martooth is having a difficult time handling this. Sam identifies him as Lantash. He confirms that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And Sam says that she feels differently with him than the other Tok'ra, like their relationship was different. And Lantash confirms that he and Jolinar were together for nearly 100 years. That's a long time to be with one person. It's a long time. So long. So long. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sam wants to know how that works. She was whose mate, and Lantash says both. Martouf then comes back to try to explain again that their relationship between the host and the hagfish is truly symbiotic in the Tok'ra. So what Martouche... Martouche. (laughs) (laughs) That is neither his real nor his fake name. (laughs) Martash. There we go. That's the two of them. (laughs) Martash. Perfect. (laughs) Because he needs more names. Yeah. (laughs) He explains that what Martooth feels, Lantash feels, and what Lantash feels, Martooth feels. So they both feel it when one of them is in love. 
and they love and mourn as one. Sam asks, a really long scene. I know. They're all, they're all, and there's so much talking. I was about to say, <laughs> it's really long and really talky. Yeah. There's a lot of talking in this. Yeah. Yeah. Sam asks what Jolinar's host, Rosha, was like. And Martooth says, very beautiful, and describes her, and then says, Rosha looked like Carter and calls Sam beautiful. Oh, everyone loves Carter. Yes, it is true. <laughs> But then he ruins the whole mood by saying she'd make a lovely host for Selmac. <laughs> yep. Good job, buddy. Uh, yep. Read the room, man. Yep. He immediately realizes that this was a mistake and apologizes. And Sam says, "This it's been hard enough living with Jolinar Bits. She doesn't need another person in her. <laughs> that sounds so gross. <laughs> <I know. laughs> So she sits down in the sand and Martus goes and sits down beside her. Still, you know, kind of like, sorry, didn't mean to. And it was an inappropriate suggestion, but it did come in from an honest desire to have Jolinar back in his life in some form. And Sam's like, this must be, be what it's like to be schizophrenic. And Except it's not. Yeah. A lot of people confuse multiple personality disorder with schizophrenia, but they do have... Schizophrenia has very different symptoms. Yeah. Which, but although Sam makes that too, because she says it's a mental illness, like a split personality. Yeah. Two people in one brain. There's me nope. and then leftover parts of Jolinar. I mean, like that might be how you feel, Sam, but nope. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Still no. She says Jolinar's got some pretty deep feelings for Martooth. And Martooth seems pretty pleased, I think, a little bit that that was left that left an imprint. Jesus. How many times did I say the word feel? That's, that's all they're talking about in this scene is their feelings. So I, I think Sam's just trying to wrap her head around, you know, the fact that they were in a relationship for a hundred years and she has yeah. these feelings that her aren't her own. It's confusing for her. Martouf then suggests maybe we should try communicating in a different way which is apparently holding hands yep so he takes her hand and they're just sitting there holding hands for a second and then daniel comes up and some other tokra and dam's like sam <laughs> he's such a cock block all the time yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he walked on her in on her with uh what was his name the the guy from that really advanced one that she gave Schrodinger to. Oh, Nareem. Nareem, yeah. That's he walked in on her and Nareem, and now he's walking in on her and Martooth. <laughs> You're right. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> and just ruining the mood both times. <laughs> he also sounded kind of judgy when he's like learning a lot about Jolinar. I know, right? Like, yeah, who are you to judge, Daniel? Go Sam's away. Like, well, actually, yes, I am. Daniel lets her yeah. know that the council is going to meet with them and they thought she might want to be there. So they all get up and head back to the tunnels. Yep. Woo. Long scene. So nice. long. Good job. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> back down in the crystal caves, the Tokra and SG-1 are all walking down a hall. There's so much walking down. <laughs> There's lots of talking and lots of walking yes. down halls in this episode. <laughs> Tilk asks if the rumors that they grow crystals from caves are true. And apparently they are. Kordesh, who is behind the rest of the group, quietly splits off. And Jack notices this and hangs back a little bit, too, looking a little bit cagey. And then he follows Kordesh. Kordesh goes into a different room that looks quite a bit different from what we've seen before. It's just a small room, but there's like a gold table kind of shrine thing with like some jewels and stuff on it he opens a box that looks like a gold jewelry box and it has a gold orb in it but then he spots jack standing there and in his resting hagfish voice asks if he can help jack tells him he's just looking around and kordash tells him that this isn't where the council chambers are these are my private chambers but let me know if you have any questions jack points out well not very private but Kordesh tells him that they don't have any secrets from each other, so they don't have any doors to their private chambers. And then asks Jack if he needs any help finding the group. Jack says, no, thanks. And leaves. 
Back out in the hall, SG-1 and Garshaw are still talking about how caves are built. <laughs> They're really fascinated by how these caves are built. Yep. They actually pass one that's in the middle of growing, and we see a view down it where there's like a big glowy light moving off into the distance and leaving a crystal hallway behind it. They finally make it to the council chamber, and they're still talking about the crystals and how the, the halls are built, and the fact that they apparently harness the, like, the natural properties of the crystals, but then enhance them to make the crystals grow faster. So the, finally, we get a change when the council comes in. Everybody is introduced, and the council, similar to Garshan slash Yosef, has really colorful robes compared to like all the guards and people like Martouf and Kordesh, who are still in the, the tan, pantsless outfits. But these people are all in either colorful robes or dresses, so still nobody is really wearing pants, which is fine. I don't like pants either. Pants are overrated. Right? Yes. Yeah. Just, it's just a thing I noticed that no one likes pants. No judgment, just noticed. Daniel says that they're there representing Earth, and Tilk tells them that it's an honor to meet them. The council argues that SG-1 really needs to understand their position and that they're the most hunted and hated in the galaxy, as far as the Gold are concerned. And Jack's like, yeah, well, you know, we haven't been making friends with them either. Tilk promises that the Tauri would never give away their secrets and they can be trusted, but the council says that even though it might not be intentional, somehow the Tauri might accidentally lead them there, or maybe the Tauri will be captured and tortured into telling their whereabouts. They really can't afford to take that risk unless there's something really worthwhile for them in the exchange. And so they ask what the Tauri have to offer. And SG-1 is still hung up on things like friendship and technology, and the Tok'ra are not interested, especially because technology is really not going to be any use to them since... They need to try to blend in with the gold as much as possible since they are infiltrators, as they call themselves. And so if they had some random technology from some other planet that the gold don't have, then they'd really make themselves stand out and raise the suspicion of the gold. Suddenly, Martooth comes up and speaks urgently with Garshaw. And it turns out that the gate has just activated and SG-3 is brought in, and the Tok'ra are pretty pissed and want to know what <laughs> SG-1 is up to. What are they up to? We'll never know. The council move off to the side and kind of converse among themselves. Jack goes up to Mayfees, who's the leader of SG-3. Make peace. Uh, make peace? Yeah. His name is Make, like, make Colonel peace? Make Peace, yeah. Jeez, make that's peace. weird. Okay. <laughs> Make peace. <laughs> Is it weird because he's a colonel in the military? <laughs> uh, no, I was going to say he should be leading uh, SG-9, which is their... Oh, right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> their, their, like... Uh, diplomatic. Thank you. Team. Diplomat yeah. was the word that I was looking for. <laughs> SG-9, who's like their diplomats. So Jack talks to Make Peace, who's the leader of SG-3, and asks, what are you doing here? But apparently Hammond sent them through to extract Sam. Sam's a little confused and wants to know why, but Makepeace says, well, your dad's in the hospital and things aren't looking so good. There are significant looks exchanged all around. And then Jack steps forward and tells the Toker that they really need to let Sam go home. But the council says that in their little off-to-the-side conversation, apparently they've decided that an alliance really isn't going to be any benefit to them. So for the time being, SG-1, and apparently now also SG-3, need to remain with the Tok'ra as quote-unquote guests <laughs> until the Tok'ra decide to move on to another planet. And then they will no longer know where the Tok'ra are at that point. Jack's like, what? So the Tok'ra argue that their security is at risk if people on, an, on Earth know where they are. Daniel tries to argue to their compassion, saying that at least Sam needs to be allowed to go since her father is dying. Kordesh points out that she's actually the highest risk of all, since she actually has the memories of a member of the Tok'ra. Tilk tries to argue that SG-1 and SG-3 aren't the only ones that know about this planet, but that everyone back in the SGC knows where they are currently. But apparently the Tok'ra are hoping that if they keep SG-1 and SG-3, that the SGC will just assume that the Tok'ra are actually Gwawuld and killed them, and then will just not bother to follow up 
maybe? <laughs> they don't know SGC very well here. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure not how things work at the SGC, but the Tokra don't know that. So Jack says, this sucks. And Gershaw tells him, sorry, not sorry. Exant the council. And then more significant looks are shared between all members of SG-1 and I think SG-3 and all the Earth people. And that's it. Yes. That's the episode. That is. Quite an episode. A very talky episode and a very hall walkie episode. Walkie-talkie, that's all that episode was. <laughs> yes. And lots of silvery crystal things. Lots of fawning over the crystals. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Kathy. Yes, Mary. Did you like the episode? This is another episode where we don't have a conclusion yet, so I'm a mm-hmm. little hesitant to say either way for sure. It wasn't super likable as a standalone, mostly because it was literally just a bunch of walking and talking. <laughs> it, it, what am I trying to say? So in the sense that not a lot of action happened, it was a little boring, but we learned valuable things about the Tok'ra, and mm-hmm. they found the Tok'ra, which is a thing they had been you know, maybe hoping to find. So depending on how it concludes, this may be useful for them in the future, both of this, you know, within the the world of this show and also the show itself. Yeah. 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 It's really important. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to say I don't know because to be continued, just like this fair. episode. <laughs> Very fair. How about you? As I said before, I had mixed feelings about it. I did find it to be an interesting episode, and I did like it for the most part. But some of the Sam and her dad stuff just, again, I'm not going to go into detail, but some of the Sam and her dad stuff just hit a little too close to home for me and kind of made me sad. And then the stuff between Martooth and Sam, like that whole big long conversation outside. I mean, I guess it was important, but for me, it just was a little too sappy too much talking about feelings not enough explosions (laughs) for my taste (laughs) so i got bored (laughs) fair Uh, actually this whole episode didn't have enough explosions but overall i actually i did like the episode and found it interesting even though at some points i was annoyed slash bored (laughs) that is my conclusion for part one great yeah I want to know what's coming up next. I bet I cannot possibly guess. <laughs> we will be watching Stargate SG-1 Season 2, Episode 12, The Tok'ra Part 2. Oh, no way. Yeah. 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 Who'd have Shocking. <laughs> Netflix has this to say about it. The Tok'ra turned down SG-1's request for an alliance against the gold because no Earthling will be a host for Selmak, a Tok'ra whose host is dying. Which, again, seems like something we kind of already know. Yes. (laughs) The booklet says the Tok'ra are desperate for hosts to house their spirits so they can continue fighting the gold. Weird choice of words. Yes. Well, that's it for us today. As always, thanks for listening and make sure that you subscribe to us on your podcatcher of choice so that you'll get all of our episodes as soon as they are released every Monday. You can also find us on YouTube. Reviews and likes are greatly appreciated since they help others to find the podcast and word of mouth is appreciated too. So if you like the show, tell your friends. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at stargatesing at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as well. If you're feeling generous, you can sign up to be one of our patrons at patreon.com slash stargatesing. You'll get advanced access to episodes, which is usually on Saturdays or Sundays. And in addition, we are for patrons only going to be releasing a shortened version of the podcast once a month where we're going to be reviewing Stargate Origins, which is the mini series that was created a couple years back. And of course, you can check out our website at stargatesing.space where you can send us a message or you can leave us a voicemail. And we recently a couple weeks ago, as of the time that this is released, got our first voicemail message left through the website, and Kathy and I were both delighted. So not mentioning any names, you know who you are. Thank you for your message, and we hope others will follow soon. I'm Mary. I'm Kathy. And you've been listening to Stargatesing. The end. The end.
move my microphone out of my face. Ooh, okay. It just Ooh. fell off the table. <laughs> well, that is out of your face. It is. Well, unless you also off. fell. The microphone was still in my hand. Oh. The microphone oh. stand arm fell off the table. Boo. Boo, boo arm. Boo. Very boo. Get back on there, but tighter. Boo. Boo. Get in there. <laughs>